0: Well, howdy, neighbor. Today we're going to help you put a smile on your face and a song in your heart. Our special guest is uniquely qualified to do so. He is Mr. Michael Jonathan, and if that name sounds familiar, well, it certainly should. Michael is the founder and longtime host of the Woodsongs Old Time Radio Hour which originates each week from the historic Lyric Theater in Lexington. You see it on KET, you hear it on a number of radio stations, not only in Kentucky, but across the nation and even beyond. We'll learn about Michael's fascinating background in music, what led this native New Yorker to eastern Kentucky and ultimately central Kentucky, where he is now. We'll find out about the inspiration behind Wood songs, and we will enlighten you on the various avenues by which you can access and follow the program on a weekly basis. Plus, yes, it is open to an in-studio audience, and we will let you know how you can snag your tickets. That much more. headed your way on Blabbit in the Bluegrass Season 5, Episode 8, and it starts right now. with a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From West Liberty to West Louisville, Walton to Waddy, everybody can agree on blabbing in the Bluegrass, because after all, who doesn't love exploring and celebrating all things Kentucky? I'm Sam Moore, coming to you from the incomparable, irreplaceable North Quail Motel, in beautiful Henderson KY. So glad you're here. Well, I always am. But especially today, because my guest, Michael Jonathan, well, of course he hosts the legendary Woodsong's Old Time Radio Hour. And we'll focus a vast majority of our attention on that today. But as you will learn, Michael also holds a number of other admirable titles, from Folk Singer to Song Farmer. He has written a number of books recorded a number of albums, and he has recently completed a screenplay, which is due to be released in the not-too-distant future. The project is still in the works, but we'll get a timeline on that and let you know how you can feast your eyes on this upcoming motion picture. You certainly won't want to miss it, and we will learn about the other aspects of Mr. Jonathan's fascinating musical background from his homelands in upstate New York to Laredo, Texas, where he landed at the tender age of 19, set up shop there for a bit before departing for Eastern and ultimately Central Kentucky, where he currently resides and hosts wood songs and dabbles in a number of other things which keep him more than busy on a daily basis. So stand by for my conversation with Michael. It is mere, mere moments away, but before we get there... Yep, you know the drill. I have another Bluegrass Brain Buster for you. We try to do one of these each and every week. We'll give you the question now. We will give you the answer shortly before we sign off. Now, I want you to think back to three iconic songs from our past, specifically Dust in the Wind by Kansas, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, and The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. All three of these songs... Use a classic style of guitar picking, which originated right here in Kentucky. I want you to name the style of guitar picking which is utilized in each of these three songs and tell me who it was named for. Again, think back on three great songs, iconic songs actually, from our past. Dust in the Wind by Kansas, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, and The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. All three of these songs use a classic style of guitar picking, which originated right here in Kentucky. I want to know, what is the name of this classic style of guitar picking, and who was it named for? So, you think on that, and we will let you know who it is and what it is in the program's final segment. Good luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, I am honored, to say the least, to have with me on the show a household name in many circles. He is the longtime host of the Woodsong's Old Time Radio Hour since 1998, to be exact. And he also holds a number of uh, other commendable titles from uh, folk singer to song farmer to author. He's recorded a number of albums and he has just finished writing a screenplay, which we will talk more about later on in our uh, chick chat here. But let's welcome to the stage none other than Mr. Michael Jonathan. Hello, and thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And uh, as I was telling you before we got started, my uh, Friday nights just wouldn't be the same without the WoodSongs All Time Radio Hour, which I watch religiously on KET. And I know we're up over a thousand episodes now, Michael. What number are we on, to be exact? Just curious. Let, let's see. This past Monday, we did
1: one thousand thirty-three. We'd be uh we'd be a lot farther ahead of that but uh, of course the pandemic shut everybody down for about 18 months but yeah. Wood Song back up and running at the Lyric Theater and uh, full sales ahead we're not stopping for anything.
0: Absolutely yeah it's uh, all systems go at this point in fact you are uh, coming to us today not from the Lyric Theater but from your log cabin now uh, is that in Fayette County Michael? You know, I'm
1: right at the Fayette County line, uh, technically in Bourbon County, but my heart is in Lexington, of course, Right. and uh, <laughs> uh, Bourbon County is a beautiful rural uh, area. Paris is one of the most adorable little towns in Kentucky, and uh, I'm only a 15-minute drive from uh, from uh, Lexington where we produce wood songs and, and do other things as well, so it's, it's a, actually a perfect location. It's a log cabin on a hill on seven acres, and we have uh, two little twins that run around with their dogs, and uh, it's been a a pleasant place to enjoy the pandemic.
0: That's awesome. Well, (laughs) kiddos always uh, keep you entertained. How old are they? They just turned seven going on 42. (laughs) Seven going on 42. (laughs) Wise beyond their years, huh? (laughs) Oh,
1: well, they think so anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. They think so. We're sure glad to have you with us today. Now, originally, I know you're from upstate New York. Is it the Buffalo area, Michael?
1: Yeah, I'm from New York. Originally, don't hold that against me. Actually, I was 60 miles from uh north of new york city along the hudson river uh, it's a little little community called beacon it's in dutchess county new york
0: 60 miles north of the big apple well we certainly will not hold that against you you've been here long enough <laughs> yeah. that we can <laughs> well <laughs> could... i tell i tell it i tell everybody i'm transplanted but i'm homegrown there you, <laughs> y'all love it transplanted but homegrown that's a a good way to look at it now uh, a vast majority of your adulthood endeavors and uh, achievements, Michael, uh, have stemmed from your lifelong love of music. So tell me if you would how you found your passion for music as a youngster in upstate New York, sir.
1: Well, it's uh, in- interesting that you ask that. It's it was. Uh, I lived in Beacon, New York, along the Hudson River. My neighbor was a very nice, pleasant older guy. He claimed to play the uh he claimed to be a musician but he played the banjo which to us rock and roll kids unless you could plug the thing in it's not a real instrument
0: right <laughs>
1: so so we just it was very pleasant he was a good guy he would uh come down to our school whenever there was a a thunderstorm and he would chop up the uh fallen leaf you know the branches and limbs because he heated his home with uh with firewood which again in new york was a very odd thing to do and uh after high school i uh got offered a uh, a little a job at a very tiny little radio station along the mexican border in laredo texas
0: <laughs> total opposite um, end of the country
1: <laughs> i know right culture shock my first culture shock is kvoz radio is an am station right on the mexican border and they gave me the midnight to 6am shift. I'm only, I'm only 19 years old here.
0: Right. And about
1: th- three in the morning, one day I was playing what they call an oldie song and it was Roger McGuinn and the birds. And it was a song called turn, turn, turn. And I'm playing the record and I'm looking at the song information and I noticed it was written by my neighbor. And I said, Oh, that's who Pete Seeger is. <laughs> and so so I, I called. I called him up. I called him up and I, I said, "Pete, it's Michael from next door. I, I just found out you're Pete Seeger." <laughs> and he's like, he, "Yep, he's that's like, me." <laughs> he goes, "He goes. Well, I have been all my life."
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, that 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 sparked something in me. I don't. I I can only um, refer to it as a musical evangelical moment. Well, and I wanted I wanted to be a folk singer, and I said, "What do I do?" And he said, "Go to the Appalachian Mountains. That's where you learn." And I landed in a little Kentucky hamlet in East Kentucky called Mousy, Kentucky.
0: Mousy, yes, indeedy, And uh, we'll talk more about that here in a bit. But yes, I did read that you grew up in the neighborhood of Pete Seeger. But I guess uh, y'all didn't happen to spend any time together or anything during your childhood. Well, in,
1: not you know, not like friends or anything. But I'd see him around a lot, and I, I even was at his log cabin for some some building thing he was doing. A bunch of friends of mine said, hey, we're going up there to help an older guy out. And I spent an afternoon there. I didn't realize who he was. I was a kid. I was stupid. I did not know who he was. (laughs) And then when I found out, he became uh, very much a uh, musical mentor of mine.
0: Later on in life. Well, that's cool. Little did you know (laughs) he was a legend that would ultimately mean so much to you. Now, did you uh, have any background singing and performing prior to leaving upstate new york michael
1: i wanted to be a cartoonist actually i had a cartoon strip published in uh, 17 newspapers my big hero was charles schultz of peanuts oh, so fame. oh so,
0: so, yeah <laughs> and
1: uh i i had an accident in my stepfather's uh, shed i fell on a a tree saw and it cut up my left arm and the doctor prescribed the guitar as physical exercise for my left wrist and that's what started me on my musical path it was a was a pretty serious injury to my left hand.
0: Oh, gotcha. So ever since then, you played the guitar religiously and then uh, went to Laredo, Texas. You were just 19. You uh, took the graveyard shift at an oldie station. Now, how long were you there, Michael? And I was there for about two
1: and a half years and I ended up moving uh footloose and fiance free to uh mousy kentucky ah. <laughs> <laughs> got a little little place i i, I found a place for 150 dollars a month 26 acres of land but almost all of it was on a, a 45 degree angle It was the side of a mountain and uh Uh, I moved there, and Ansel Campbell was my landlord, and in the same area of Knott County was Caney Creek, where I discovered the story of Alice Lloyd.
0: Yeah, so your your play is based off of that, and uh, we'll definitely promote that here in just a bit. Now, uh, in addition to the guitar, you also play the banjo. Now, when did you you really take off on the banjo? Was that about the time that you relocated to eastern kentucky well i learned
1: really quick when i landed into not county kentucky that it's against the law to live in the appalachian mountains and not know at least something on the banjo even if it's wrong right <laughs> and so i i excelled i excelled at playing it wrong for quite a while <laughs> but I, it was such a compliment to the guitar and i didn't want to play electric instruments i loved front porch music I loved organic rural uh folk music songs about you know history and tradition and and uh started performing in schools and that took off really fast because I'm living in an area in east Kentucky there's no clubs or there's no place to play period
2: no and so <laughs> you had
1: to you had to create your own thing and I was like you know uh when I was a kid Pete Seeger would you know, he played in schools and stuff. Maybe I can try that. And so I created a concert series called an Earth concert that uh, was about uh, tradition and history and cleaning up our homes and keeping our, our, our mountains clean. And hundreds and hundreds of schools um, brought me in to perform to the kids. I think I played to about three and a half million kids in a four year time stretch.
0: How about that? And these were schools, I take it, not only in Kentucky, but uh, all the way across the nation, or at least a fraction of it. Uh, 14
1: states. Kentucky was wonderful because uh, the Department of Natural Resources, what they called it at the time, um, endorsed what I was doing. So all the schools started saying, hey, can you come here? Can you come here? Um, I even remember once the Secretary for Natural Resources landed at one school in Prestonsburg in a helicopter because she wanted to come and see the concert. (laughs) I'm just a, trust me, I'm just a long-haired nobody uh, playing in schools for kids, and and a government official comes in in a helicopter to
0: come see what I'm
1: doing. I mean, I was was flabbergasted.
0: Yeah, that's how you know you're special, although I'm sure it was slightly intimidating at first. (laughs) More than a little,
1: but you have to keep in mind, my my concert set was only 25 minutes, because I had to do it within a normal class period they had to get in settle down concert leave go back to the classroom before the period ended so i'm only playing five or six songs sure (laughs) (laughs) it was was a really easy gig i mean i'm telling you (laughs) real short
0: sets
1: (laughs) but i got i got thousands and thousands of physical letters from kids after the concerts telling me stories about how they went down to the creek and they cleaned up the trash and they went into the fields and and uh and took the old tires and brought them to the dump and uh got grandpa and grandma to help me clean up our yard and you know it was a, it was a really very very effective uh, concert series i was very yeah. proud of it
0: <laughs> good music and a good message delivered so there you are um before Eastern Kentucky and Laredo, Texas, right down there on the Mexican border. And then from there, you uh, ventured to Knott County. So I got to ask you, you mentioned culture shock when you got to Laredo. I know it was another dose of culture shock when you got to Knott County. What were your first impressions of Eastern Kentucky when you got there, sir?
1: I loved it. It was wonderful. I tell you what, the, the, the folks in the mountains, are sweet and they're sincere and they're passionate and they're happy and they're friendly and they're loyal but you cross them one time and they'll strangle you and it's (laughs) as they should as they should and what i learned very quickly i'm as a young guy you know still a kid i i wasn't trying to change anything so to the folks there the local folks i was safe I wasn't an outsider coming in trying to disrupt and show how much more I knew than everybody else. I was just a kid trying to learn their music. I had literally hundreds of front porch hootenannies and hollers all over East Kentucky where I would just knock on doors and say, Hey, can you teach me songs that your grandparents taught you? And uh, uh, I learned, you know, all kinds of wonderful tunes and fair versions of them. So I was, I was safe to them and uh, they kind of, put you know you put a young kid under their mountain arm if you will and sure. i i adored it and i do, i was a big fan of mother earth news magazine and i felt like i was living in a human interpretation of mother earth news magazine it's all plow and plow you know uh, one fella taught me how to plow with a mule and you know uh the history of making moonshine and squirrel gravy and you know, it it was just an amazing learning thing, and I felt like I was sitting on the front porch of America.
0: So, and if you mentioned squirrel gravy in upstate New York, they probably looked at you like you were crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they would, they would commit me to the nearest mental institution, yeah, but I tell you why, it was, that's what they, that's what they did, they'd go out and hunt squirrel, they'd make gravy out of the meat, and you know, I don't eat much meat now, but at the time, I I was try I was willing to try anything. When I was in when I was on the Mexican border, I tried everything, trepas yeah. and bajitas and the whole thing. You know,
0: so you just immersed yourself in the culture wherever you went. <laughs> I would baptize in whatever waters were local at the time. Right. <laughs> there you go. So that's why the Eastern Kentuckians. <laughs> Welcome, in because you weren't trying to be different. You just wanted to be one of them. Now, uh, after several years, like you said, of uh, learning the music and the culture and um, performing the marvelous music of the mountains, the era of the Wood Songs Old Time Radio Hour began in 1998. So uh, explain, if you would, Michael, the inspiration behind Wood Songs and tell us how this popular program ultimately came to fruition
1: it was my reaction to not wanting to be on a major record label anymore oh. when i i left i left Mousy, uh, i was living in the mountains and after a couple of years of that you know I, it took me two hours just to start my trip wherever i was going and uh i i knew i had to get closer to a media center uh airport where the highways were so i moved to lexington and uh billboard magazine did a big feature story on this unsigned kid roaming the mountains selling a hundred thousand records and you know he wasn't signed to a label so every record label on, on the east and west coast tried to sign me and i finally signed with capital a division of capital records and i spent 18 months wanting to get out of the deal i knew i did not belong there this was not what i wanted to do i was right. not interested in hit records i was not interested in name fame what i wanted was to do good work i wanted right. to do good things with music like the earth concerts and i was performing uh concerts about uh battered women and children or the homeless i wanted to do things with music not you know you've the world of artists is a little nuts when you think about it. They vib- you know, what is music? It's vibrating air. You vibrate air for three and a half minutes and you, you think you deserve adulation for it. You don't. What have you done? You vibrated air for three minutes. Great. Wonderful. Yay. <laughs> <Right>. Now what? <laughs> you know, so I wanted to do things that were of substance and real and would change the way people thought about life. And so I got out of the deal. Finally, I was able to start my own personal record label called Poet Man Records. And a friend of mine, a a bluegrass luthier, wonderful man in Winchester, Kentucky, named Homer Ledford. I was sitting in his basement and he's building an instrument and we're chatting about music and songs and the smell of linseed oil and maple wood and sawdust is in, in the air and the 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 phrase wood songs came to me and wow. so I wrote a song about it which became an album and I wrote a book on Gene Ritchie's porch in uh, in Viper Kentucky that became the first Wood Songs book and I was on tour with uh, Judy Collins after that and we'd play in this big outdoor amphitheater in Chicago called Ravinia and I was like I was listening to the radio in the in the car as we're going there you know the town car that picked us up and it was playing a show called Prairie Home Companion which was I I thought yeah Garrison Keillor and I was like wouldn't it be neat to have a show kind of like that but without the stories what if it was just about the music you know how hard can it be to do a live audience syndicated radio show and I got back to I got back home after the tour and talked to a friend of mine named Kevin Johnson, and he looked at me after he heard my idea, and he goes, you're crazy, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm he said in. He said you were
0: crazy, but he was in. <laughs> He's in.
1: He, had a, he had a recording studio, and uh, we decided to to do the show, no matter where I was on a Sunday, I would do this Woodsong show on a Monday, and we invited our, our music friends to come be part of it, and that's how it started.
0: And it has certainly grown from there it all started with the wood songs on the porch and then a book you wrote in viper kentucky now is which county is viper that's a new one on me
1: that's that's perry county that's uh that's oh uh God. hazard okay. hazard is the county seat and what it was I, I was trying to write this book and i had not writer's block but i i didn't know what direction to for the book to go in and uh gene Ritchie, the great mother of folk music and Kentucky music icon uh, herself, I was talking to her about it. And she goes, you know, we have this log cabin in Viper. Why don't you just, here's the key. Why don't you go spend four or five days and and think about it and start writing. And so I went to her cabin literally with a couple of yellow legal pads. <laughs> and after about three days in Gene Ritchie's log cabin, uh, most of Woodsong's one was written
0: about that. So, sometimes all it takes is just the, the right time and the right scenery, and that's uh, the ticket to a good book. In fact, you've got four or five Wood Songs books at this point, don't you?
1: Yeah, the, the fifth, uh, Wood Songs 5, was just released last month, and it's a sort of a, a tribute in a way to Vincent Van Gogh. It's actually about all artists in the world of art whether it's music or painting or whatever passion it is, uh, the digital world has decimated most of the the ability for artists to make a living. And so so Wood Songs Five is sort of an acknowledgement of how hard it is to create in a world that rejects creations.
0: Yeah, so you're sort of going against the grain by creating. Well, check out Wood Songs 5 as well as the previous four if you haven't already done so. I know that uh, you folks won't regret it. Now, uh, take us through, if you would, Michael, back on Wood Songs. Take us through the impressive history of Wood Songs and tell us how it has grown and evolved since its origin in 1998.
1: Well, our first show uh, was in Kevin Johnson's studio and about 14 or 15 people we invited. They'd come and they'd sit on the floor on pillows. We had one little college radio station willing to air the show and we used to give it to them on a cassette tape and they'd have to turn the cassette tape around to get to the second half of the show because there's only 30 minutes per side, right? (laughs) We were very, very low, low tech, but. I was committed. I was determined. I I, I felt strongly that uh, at the time, you have to understand, at the time, Garth Brooks was igniting and artists were selling millions of records and stuff, but Napster was just starting as well. And I looked at that and I said, this is going to be the end of the record world as we know it.
0: Yeah, you and, saw it coming, didn't you?
1: Yes. And I said, shows like Wood Songs, which is which is not a concert it's it's conversation and performance a way to really get to know the artist is what wood songs is about and fame is irrelevant it's just are you good you know and it's a discovery it's like a voyage in this ocean of music and art and we're on the good ship wood songs and uh, we started it and it was kind of slow starting and then about uh, two years later a movie called oh brother where art thou came out good one it totally ripped the lid off the Roots music world. And it was all about, you know, the folk music and, and, and bluegrass and, and, and these wonderful old songs that were part of this motion picture. And everybody started rediscovering the music of, of early America. And Wood Songs was sitting there. And all of a sudden, radio stations gobbled us up. We went from like 50 stations to about 300 in a matter of 12 months. How about that? Yeah. And so we just kept on going. And now, now we're on well over 500 radio stations. It's on PBS nationwide. KET is our host affiliate. It's on American Forces Radio Network in 177 countries. And it's on the RFD Television Network, which is a great TV channel to be on coast to coast and uh, and we're in schools as well you can get the show in, in your classrooms with lesson plans
0: see so a great resource for teachers and it all started on that one little bitty college radio station was it UK's campus radio station just curious it
1: was it was not at the time Georgetown College in Georgetown had a, a cool little radio station WRVG it was a low power station but they were the ones that were willing to air us and wow. uh, and uh, eventually uh, W-U-K-Y picked it up, and stations from around the country started uh, asking for the show, and you know, it, uh, it grew, I won't say fast, it grew very steadily,
0: Yeah, because steadily. you have to remember,
1: you have to remember the Wood songs, what makes it unique is that it's all volunteer run, nobody gets paid, not even the artists who come on the show, they don't get a nickel, it goes free to public radio, public television, RFD, American Forces Radio Network. The theater is free. The crew is all volunteers. Uh, local restaurants put, uh, feed them for free. Hotels uh, put them up for free. Uh, love is the greatest transaction of the arts, and I wanted Wood Songs to prove it.
0: Well, I'd say it definitely has proven it, and will continue to do so. Now, how long have you been at the Lyric Theater, Michael?
1: let's see uh we're just finishing up our ninth year there okay. we were at, we were at the kentucky theater and uh the opportunity to go into uh, the lyric theater which is more broadcast ready the kentucky theater is wonderful uh, we loved it there but it's essentially a a box without any infrastructure for a broadcast the lyric theater was designed for a broadcast, the lighting grid, the staging, the, the lighting booth, the TV booth, the, the digital audio boards and everything. So when they invited us to come to the Lyric, it was nothing to think about it. As much as we hated to leave the Kentucky Theater, um, going to the Lyric was the smart thing to do.
0: Yeah, you knew that uh, there were more capabilities there and you were going to be able to
1: <laughs> do
0: your thing well and,
1: and even more than that i'll tell you what uh, the lyric was safer for us to work with with the kentucky theater the lighting grid was 30 feet high and you had to get on a 30 foot tall step ladder to change a light bulb mm.
2: it was yeah, da- it was dangerous <laughs> yeah it was
1: well it was dangerous and we had a couple of close calls so the lyric theater is designed to be able to manipulate and work on the technology part and it was safer for the crew uh to to be in that theater yeah much that, gotcha.
0: that the issue
1: is very much safety
0: absolutely it made life easier and, and safer for everybody now for our listeners who uh have yet to experience wood songs michael give us sort of an overview of the, the typical content and features of the program that uh, have made it so successful
1: well, we tape at the Lyric Theater on Mondays. If you go to woodsongs.com, you see the schedule of the artists coming up. Right. And so the, uh, the audience comes in. Right now, we're, we're cooperating with the, uh, the mayor and the, the theater. So we, it's a limited audience. We're used to 500 people showing up on a Monday. Now it's more like 150 that we allow in the room. Okay, um, so reduced capacity yeah but it makes everybody more comfortable sure um i'll start the show off with a a brief song the rest of the broadcast is devoted to the two artists that are are on the show i hate to edit i despise editing (laughs) so so most the majority of shows will begin and end in 59 minutes what you see on tv what you hear on the radio is exactly what happened in the room we don't start and stop and start and stop and start and stop like other wonderful broadcasts. Um, <laughs> I'll give you an example. Mount, Mountain stage was, was, was in Lexington and they're a great show, but it takes three and a half or four hours for them to tape their episode.
0: Oh, we're done the episodes and- usually last one hour on their part too, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. And yeah. well, we're done. We're done. Start to finish in 59 minutes. So <laughs> It's it, we're, we're, we're economically feasible because babysitters don't cost much. <laughs> we don't wrong. take up all your time. You know, you're <laughs> home at a reasonable hour. We, the show starts at 7, so you can be home by 8.30 or 8.45 in the evening, which is great, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, start to finish, it goes pretty quick. And now I know the, the radio show and the TV show are the exact same length. <laughs> yep no editing on michael jonathan and his staff's part now another feature that um, i know has become a fan favorite in recent years is the wood songs kids why don't you tell us a little bit about that one
1: you know when i <laughs> the when i first started that i got slammed i mean there were people that they thought i was ruining the format of the show or i was turning it into romper room or you know, oh, uh, what do they know? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is this Mr. Rogers stuff you're doing? You know, and I'm like, you know, but to me, uh, kids are the future of America's front porch. They're the oh, yeah. future of it. And th- these kids can play better than the pros. So it's not unusual for the kid to come, they, they play one song on the show in the presence of seasoned touring artists. We treat them as equals. They don't win anything. Nobody comes in second. It's just, they're equals. And here's this week's Wood Song's kid. And invariably, they're the ones who get the standing ovation. They're the ones that get the extended applause. They're the one that that knocks the wall out of the back end of the theater.
0: They're the stars of the show a lot of times. (laughs) They
1: steal the thunder more often than not, yes. So... (laughs) So it's, it's, it's the highest rated portion of our hour. And uh, I'm very proud of it, that uh, these kids come from all over the nation to Beyond Woods songs to play that one song in front of an international audience.
0: And is, is there any kind of age limit or do you welcome all ages?
1: Six to 16 is usually the average age. I try to keep it in that, that area.
0: Right. Uh, for the
1: 1000th yeah. broadcast, we had Riders in the Sky and like, concert. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And I was like, you know, Riders in the Sky, Woodsong's 1000th broadcast. What kind of kid do you put on that show? And we found a young, she was 10 years old at the time from London, Kentucky. She's mm. a young, young black girl, young African American girl that excelled in country western songs and she could yodel like Patsy Montana.
0: Oh, that's high price. <laughs> yes. So
1: she came on the show and she did. Uh, she did. I want to be a Cowboys uh, sweetheart, the Patsy Montana song, yodeling and everything. And her backup band was Riders in the Sky. And so here's this little girl and just knocked a home run. It was it was a grand slam. It was wonderful. So oh, if you go sure. to Woodsongs.com, click on the archive page and hit show 1000, you can see little Phoebe White. Phoebe just, White, uh, <laughs> Phoebe White, yeah, from London, Kentucky. She's just, <laughs> she's a beautiful little lady.
0: Oh yeah, did her thing, and it had to be a, a thrill for her to be backed by riders in the sky. Now, if um, if any of us know of some talented children out there who might be candidates for the WoodSongs kids, uh, how how do they let you know about them, Michael? Uh, send me an email
1: with a YouTube link.
0: Michael at Woodsongs.com.
1: Michael at Woodsongs.com. Just send me a send me a, a little cell phone video. That's all it has to be. MichaelWoodSounds.com.
0: Uh, that's it.
1: <laughs> and uh, we, look at, we look at everything. True story. Uh, Tommy Emmanuel from Australia is arguably uh, the greatest acoustic guitar player in the world. And his hero is Chet Atkins. So he was on the show. And I was like, we got to get a kid that matches this guitar world that Tommy's part of. And so we found a little kid named Parker Hastings. He was 13 years old. Oh, I've heard him on and the show. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he Parker played the song that Tommy Emmanuel wrote for Chet Atkins. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he's That's a tall years, He's 13 years old. We just did a tribute show to uh, Tony Rice, and we had John Cowan from uh, New Grass Revival and country star john berry and marty raybon from uh, shenandoah they were all on the show tribute to tony rice and uh, we found a 12 year old kid a little girl that stood there by herself and played tony rice cranked to 11 pretty impressive for
0: 12 years old
1: (laughs) oh she blew everybody away i mean just 12 years old just standing there and just just hammered. She just shredded that guitar clean as a whistle. Her notation was perfect, but she, she played Tony Rice songs on it.
0: Oh my gosh. That's great. And uh, speaking of Parker Hastings, I know he's a former thumb picking champion and he's actually, uh, is he still a student at Belmont? I know he was going down there. Yes, he is. He's doing great. He's a good kid. Awesome. Yes, I've always, I've always enjoyed his performances on Woodsong for sure. Now, I know uh, one of the best ways that uh, we can contribute to the future success and longevity of Woodsongs is through our support as Woodsongs partners. So why don't you fill us in, Michael, on the uh, partnership opportunities available and talk to us about the process of becoming a Woodsongs partner. Well, first of all, wood songs does not need a lot of money
1: uh, because everybody's working for free, right? Sure. So there's basic expenses like cables and camera lenses that go bad and, and, you know, things like that, which are not cheap. Postage you have to pay for no matter what. So we do have to have a certain amount of, of income in order to cover the expenses to keep Wood songs going, even though it's all volunteer. Right? I did not want corporate sponsors. I don't want Wood songs to be selling Toyotas and Snickers bars. <laughs> you know And I was like, well, why not give the audience a chance to be the sponsor? And so we, I created the Wood Songs Partners, which uh, for95 dollars a year, uh, a couple can come to all the shows for free oh cool gotcha. you know so yeah so i mean it's cheap it's less than a dollar a seat you're not going to do much better than that <laughs> you no. get to come see, you get to come see Bala fleck and uh, and uh, uh stevie ray vaughn's brother and bobby rush and bb king entertainer of the year and all <laughs> these wonderful people that come on with songs you're sitting there for you know if you prorated it's a dollar a seat you're not going to be able to get a coca-cola for a dollar
0: no that's that's a heck of a bargain that's what keeps wood songs going i
1: I don't want i do not want a corporate underwriter and so the wood songs partners is a way for the audience to be the sponsor of wood songs the audience is the underwriter
0: absolutely so go to woodsongs.com find out how you can become an underwriter more specifically a wood songs partner now um on a somewhat related note, you were instrumental, Michael, in the uh, establishment of the uh, Wood Songs Front Porch Association not long ago, whose members are known as song farmers. So, uh, why don't you describe the the purpose of the WFPA and tell us how we can immerse ourselves in the group as song farmers?
1: Okay. Well, the Woodsongs Front Porch Association it's a nonprofit. And the members are called song farmers. What is a song farmer? That's any artist, musician, poet, dreamer, creative person that wants to use their art to make their lives, their families, their homes, their communities better in the face of a music world that no longer supports them. What do I mean by that? There's not a single record store chain left in America. They're all gone. The ability for a musician to put out a CD and sell it is almost impossible anymore because nobody even buys CDs anymore. There's no CDs, slots in computers. They don't put CD players in cars anymore. Uh, it, it's very, very difficult for artists to make a living. So what I'm saying is music may not be your livelihood, but it can be a very powerful part of your life. It's what I used to do with the earth concerts and and, and singing for the homeless and, and battered women and children, using music for something good, not to sell anything, but to accomplish something. And so there are uh, 84 song farmer chapters around America right now. One just started in Cork, Ireland. There's another one starting in Australia and what they do is once a month they gather their friends and neighbors there might be six there could be 60 there could be 200 uh, depends on the chapter and they uh-huh. just come together and the, the, what they do is they sing the same song together as a group for an hour or an hour and a half it uh-huh. is having fun as a community as a group we call them song farmer gatherings where friends and neighbors gather together, you bring your instruments. If you can't play, come and listen. Little tiny Cabot, Arkansas, a tiny little town in Arkansas, was averaging 200 people at a time. They, they would do it at the public library to have the song farmer gathering. Teleco Plains, Tennessee, Perry Break out there, uh, started a chapter and they do it at the community center. And the place packs, when they have their song farmer gathering if they come bring their their cello or their guitar or their banjo or their fiddle the harmonica it doesn't matter what it is it's the fun and joy of music and the purpose of song farmers is to to reintroduce the spirit of america's front porch in the communities that have lost that spirit okay. and the song farmer chapter leaders are usually the musicians that the music business has left behind.
0: Gotcha. I see. So these are, you know, good, strong local talents neglected by, like you said, the music business, but they're bringing a lot of life and music to small communities in many cases. And I take it, we got quite a few here in Kentucky as well, don't we, Michael? Yeah, there's several chapters in Kentucky. Uh, You know, Florida has
1: already has 11 chapters in just Florida alone. In just Florida, and that's there, pretty impressive. Geez, there's more. We were, we were like screaming, growing so fast. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, so everything went on pause, like the rest of the world did. Sure. But the Song Farmer world is reactivating now and chapters are forming, chapters are coming back together. So if you go to songfarmers.org, uh, you can find out more, and uh, we're having our our sixth national gathering of all the Song Farmers. We'll be at Renfro Valley this uh, April
0: 29 and 30. Awesome, 29th and 30th. The representatives from all the chapters will be there, so uh, go to songfarmers.org and uh, find your nearest chapter and... Feel free to reach out for more info and definitely get involved. Now, finally, Michael, we, we touched on this a little bit ago. And in addition to your duties as Woodsong host and author and uh, you know, recording albums, all that fun stuff, you are also a playwright and you channeled this skill not long ago in the creation of a screenplay entitled Caney Creek, The Legend of Alice Lloyd. Now, I know this project It's still in the works as we speak, Michael, but if you would, why don't you give us an update on uh, where we currently stand on that and perhaps maybe a sneak preview of this upcoming motion picture.
1: Sure, okay. Well, you know, it started when I wrote an actual play about Henry David Thoreau called Walden. And if you go to waldenplay.com, we actually filmed it for uh, PBS and it airs in the spring on PBS stations around the oh. country. It's been performed by over nine and a half thousand uh, schools and colleges and, and community groups uh, in 42 countries. And so w- I looked at it and I was like, you know, how hard can it be to write a play and get it into the hands of people? Um, the story of Alice Lloyd has always intrigued me ever since I found out about it when I lived in Mousy. So when Walden worked, I said, well, how hard can it be to write an actual movie? I wrote a play, how, can, how, how, how do you write a movie script? And so the story of Alice Lloyd in a nutshell, she's uh, 40 years old, she's a journalist in Boston, she has a stroke and spinal meningitis. Her husband decides to leave her. She's alone with just her little old mother. The doctors say she has six months to live, maybe longer if she moves south. The her her pastor says, you know, we have a little church in Heinemann, Kentucky, um, a mission home. You can move there because the locals ran the missionaries off the, the, the home is there. It's south. It's Kentucky. It's warmer than Boston. Uh-huh. And so so she decided to move there with her little old mother. And she got there in November of 1915. In February, a mountain man named Abisha Johnson heard that Alice Lloyd had moved into the county and he had a dream that this Fern woman would teach his 11 children to read. And he, this is all true. He woke up from his dream and it was the middle of the night, it was snowing. He crossed two mountains. He lost his shoe while crossing the mountains. He was barefoot, uh, he collapses on Alice Lloyd's door, begs her to come to Caney Creek and says, if you come to Caney Creek, I will build you a schoolhouse and I will give you my land as payment mm. for coming to teach my children, which to a mountain man to offer his land is everything. <laughs> and so, something. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alice, Alice moved there. Um, today, the campus of Alice Lloyd College is, in fact, Abisha Johnson's old property
0: right and that's in um, pippa
1: passes it's in pippa passes right near hindman hindman and whitesburg it's right in that area yes indeed. and uh she she outlived the doctors that said she was going to die after world war ii um the economy of the mountains crashed because they didn't need as much coal anymore because the war was over with and uh she's about ready to file bankruptcy and she couldn't keep her school going anymore and uh uh William Dutton was the um, CEO of uh, of not Dutton, um, the chemical company. Help me out here.
0: Uh, chemical company starts
1: yeah. with a D. Starts with a D. Why my brain is stopped? I working. know I'd
0: know it if I heard it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. Big chemical company at a, at a Delaware, and uh, he was sending her a monthly stipend to help her out. And when he died, his accountant saw this check going every year to this woman that nobody knew in East Kentucky, and they thought that he sired a uh, a child, an heir. So they went to East Kentucky essentially to pay off Alice Lloyd, so she wouldn't make any more claims to the DuPont Chemical Corporation. And DuPont, uh, there we go. It's DuPont. <laughs> And so uh, he gets there and he finds this crippled little old lady and a couple hundred students. And he's like, oh my God, this is incredible. So he goes back to Delaware, tells everybody the story. William Bennett was a writer friend of his. Here's the story, he writes an article about it, sends it to Reader's Digest. They publish it. And on the West Coast, a movie, uh, TV producers at his desk gets the mail reads this story in Reader's Digest magazine, and he decides he wants this lady on his show. And this was Ralph Edwards, and he had a show on NBC called This Is Your Life.
0: This Is Your Alice life.
1: Lloyd had not been out of Caney Holler for 26 years because she was sick.
0: She right. was crippled.
1: And they trick her to go to a three-day train trip to California to meet this mysterious man who was going to help save the school because they're filing bankruptcy. She gets there and she's sitting in this strange little living room with a big curtain at parts. There's an audience. Ralph Edwards comes out, and at the end of the show, he turns to America and he says, "Give her, send her a dollar, send her whatever." Oh my goodness! (laughs)
2: So
1: on the way on the way back to uh, to Pippa passes the uh, postmaster in Lexington calls the sheriff in Hazard who gets the call, runs out into Main Street in the rain, deputized 14 men, gave them all shotguns, and they surround the hazard post office waiting for three loaded trucks coming in from the Lexington Post Office full of mail addressed to Alice Lloyd.
0: Oh, my and goodness. That's, that's
1: what, awesome. That's, what's, that's what saved the school. It's a true story. All this really happened, and I wrote the screenplay for it for a motion picture, and it has now been optioned for production. So we'll we'll see what happens
0: that is totally awesome a great story too that's uh, you know the inspiration for the play it's great how you know Ralph Edwards asked everybody to send her a dollar and she needless to say got a lot of dollars We don't have any kind of dollar figure as far as the amount donated do we well uh, they estimate that what she was sent in today's money was six million dollars. Oh goodness so it would have been six million today well that's that's pretty if you want to see if you want to see the video of her on this is your life
1: go to CaneyCreekMovie.com, Caney with a C, CaneyCreekMovie.com. And we posted the the video clip of Alice Lloyd on Ralph Edwards' show on NBC, where he turns to the audience and tells everybody to send her a dollar. So you can go see the actual film clip. You know, this is a true story. This actually happened. It's an amazing uh, piece of Kentucky Uh, Appalachia history. They described the Caney Creek script as Dances with Wolves um, of Appalachia. It's the Dances with Wolves of Appalachia. Appalachia. It's presenting the mountain people as as honest and sincere and loving and caring for their families, loving their communities, uh, hurt by the outsiders, but wanting to make a better life with what they had and what they consider their home it's a very respectful presentation of the mountain folks but
0: oh my god the things that happened out there
1: are just incredible
0: oh it's it's crazy and if you haven't uh, if you haven't seen that video like i haven't go online and check it out it'll definitely it'll definitely bring tears to your eyes no doubt well michael i have certainly enjoyed our conversation now finally before we wrap things up here how about offering some Words of wisdom for young musicians seeking to develop their craft and perhaps excel on the big stage?
1: The music business has changed. The idea of vibrating air for three and a half minutes and become a glorified star is virtually over. So you have to do things that matter. Uh, Remember that the things that make music and art work is not money. It's not fame, it's not managers or record labels or corporate partnerships. What makes music and art work is love. Love is the greatest transaction of the arts. It always was and it always will be. So you have to love music and love your place in it, the reality of what your place is. You have to love it very, very much. And the other thing that I would tell anybody who wants to uh, be in music or art, don't suck.
0: <laughs> it does help not to suck.
1: <laughs> Do, don't waste the audience time by not working on your
0: craft. You don't have to be famous to be on wood songs. You just have to be very, very good.
1: Just have to be good. We say it every single week. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. So <laughs> without fail, that's the uh, that's the weekly message behind the uh, Wood Songs whole Time Radio hours, So work at it, and it's all about the, the love. Will said there, Michael. So folks, catch Wood Songs uh, every Monday night, at least most Monday nights. Y'all take what, uh, 44 weeks out of the year? Yes. Yep. There you go. Pretty, so-
1: pretty heavy schedule. Wood Songs tapes more episodes per year than Mountain Stage, Austin City Limits, the Grand Ole Opry, E-Town, see uh, wood, so wood song wood songs is very for being all volunteer these folks work very hard
0: yes <laughs> for being all volunteer and to have to, you know produce more shows than all those other famous ones you just named that is certainly commendable and it's uh, aired on different days at different times on uh, various different affiliates so uh woodsongs.com and you can uh, find the list of affiliates there. And of course, you can catch it on uh, KET most Friday nights at uh, midnight Eastern, 11 Central. There are exceptions to that. So check your listings, but don't miss an instant of uh, Michael Jonathan and the uh, the Woodsong Soul Time Radio Hour. Well, this has been great. I sure hope you've had fun, Michael. I did. It was great meeting you and thank you
1: to the audience for hanging in and uh, listening to our conversation.
0: Well, I echo that, and we'll definitely have to make it up there and catch a show sooner than later, and we'll have you back here again sometime too, Michael.
1: Absolutely, would love it.
0: Could not have had any more fun chatting with Michael Jonathan, and to finish things off, this is kind of a cherry on top, if you will. He was kind enough to pass along a couple songs that were recently featured on a Wood Songs program, one from Michael himself and another From a featured group. So if you've not yet had the pleasure, this will give you an idea of what to expect when taking in an episode on TV, radio, or hopefully in person sooner than later. But anyhow, the first one we're going to listen to here is a song that Michael recently used to kick off a show, and it'll sound familiar to a fair number of you, no doubt, because it was a huge rock and roll hit back in the 1950s. Let's take a listen to Mr. Jonathan's rendition of Blue Moon.
2: just what I was there for, you heard me saying a prayer for someone I could really care for. It suddenly appears before me, the only one my arms can hold. I heard somebody whisper, please adore me. I looked, the moon it turned to gold, blue. before me the only one my arms can hold i heard somebody whisper please adore me i looked the moon it turned to gold blue
0: How about that? A very unique spin on a classic rock and roller, Blue Moon, Michael Jonathan's opening song from a recent Woodsong's Old Time Radio Hour. And now, from that very same show, we proudly present music from one of Michael's featured groups. They are known as the Quaby Sisters. And here's Michael now to give us a brief description of them and introduce their song.
1: They are probably best described as if Bob Wills dated the Andrews sisters, they'd have given birth to these three sisters here. Please don't talk about me when
2: I'm gone. That's the song they will introduce them with. Please welcome to the Quaby sisters on the Woods Songs. Old Time Radio Hour.
3: <laughs>
0: yourself a favor and catch a taping of the Woodsong's Old Time Radio Hour, live and in person, first chance you get at the Lyric Theater. You won't regret it, and for more info on how to snag tickets, just log on to the website, and I will link you to the website in my show notes, okay? So absolutely no excuse, and if you meet Michael while you're there, which hopefully you do, let him know you heard him here on Blabbin' in the Bluegrass. Better yet... Shoot him an email in the meantime at michael at Again, his address is michael at Thank him for coming on because you and I both know there are plenty of other things that man could have been doing besides... <laughs> coming on here with me, but I sure enjoyed it. So reach out, let him know you heard us. He'll be glad you did. So will I. It'll be a win-win for both of us if you inform him that you took in our conversation. So plenty more fun where this came from. It's headed your way next week. In fact, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Our next show comes your way in March. Yes, indeed. It's Hard to believe the first two months of 2022 are darn near in the books, but uh, next show is scheduled for March the 2nd, next Wednesday, so make sure you're here for it or I would miss you. But uh, for now, before we wrap up this week's edition, I have the highly anticipated answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which did fit the music theme, and we wanted you to think back on three iconic songs from our past, specifically Dust in the Wind by Kansas, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, and The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. All three of these tunes utilized a classic style of guitar picking which originated right here in Kentucky. You were to name this style of guitar picking and tell me who it was named for. And your answer, it was known as Travis Picking. Yep, all three of the aforementioned tunes utilized a guitar playing style known as Travis Picking, and it was named for its creator, Mr. Merle Travis, a Muhlenberg County, Kentucky native. He was a very influential singer, songwriter, guitar stylist back in the day. In fact, he Preferred it be called Muhlenberg picking in honor of his former stomping grounds. But anyway, he wrote 16 Tons for Tennessee Ernie Ford, which I know a number of you are undoubtedly familiar with. Plenty of other songs. He also did quite a bit of acting and he had quite a bit to be proud of, needless to say, before his untimely death in 1983, sadly due to a fatal heart attack. So rest in peace. Mr. Merle Travis, but again, Travis picking is your guitar style. It was named after the late, great Merle Travis, Muhlenberg County, Kentucky's very own, and uh, they should be proud to claim Mr. Merle Travis there in Muhlenberg County. So, before we let you go, I want to remind you to email me with questions, comments, suggestions for future guests, topics, bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. That's how you reach me. You can also touch base via the Facebook page. All you got to do is search Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Once you get to Facebook, that'll take you right to us. Like and follow the page if you're not doing so already because all of my previous shows are there. You can also stay up to date with... uh, Future teasers on upcoming shows as they are presented, make comments, leave messages, and don't forget, you can listen and subscribe to Blabin' in the Bluegrass free of charge via four podcast directories. These include Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal, and more to come. But for now, those four, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So don't you dare miss a minute of any previous or future Blabbin' in the Bluegrass podcast. And until we meet again, you know what you got to do. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep Blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbin' in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbin' in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey Cools your palate just a blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in in the bluegrass With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste